I think people just need somewhere to put that energy. It's not that you shouldn't ever experience that stress or pressure. It's that you need a repository for it. Yes, absolutely. That's that's a great way to describe it is that we have frustration or we have stress that causes us to be frustrated throughout our daily lives. And at the end of the day, do we release it or do we just basically does it carry over to the next day? And then it basically grows exponentially over time. And then things like sadly, mental health issues or physical, definitely physical health issues start to arise. And then we always wonder (laughs) why, why can't we get better? But it's, as you said, we, we don't have any way to get rid of that type of stress or frustration mm. or more, more people don't get rid of it on a daily basis, like doing things like you talked about or martial arts or even exercise in general. They, they think they don't have time for it. There are a lot of excuses out there, unfortunately. You're listening to the Addicted to Fitness podcast brought to you by Elemental Training Tampa. Now, here's your hosts, Nick and Shannon Birch. Thanks for stopping by and checking out this throwback episode of the Addicted to Fitness podcast. We're going to go back in the vault and give you guys an old school episode um, of one of our uh, previous episodes for you guys to enjoy. But before we do that, we want to thank you guys for tuning in this week and every week. Um, We know you guys are doing so by looking at the download numbers and you can prove it to us prove that you're listening by leaving us a rating review in Apple Podcasts or preferred podcast app. Um, So we always talk about how we have over 300 episodes. We wanted to go back in the vault and share one of those episodes with you because Apple Podcasts only allows the last 100 episodes. So check out this. Well, yeah. Compared to what we have, that's nothing. I know, exactly. It's only about 30%. So you're missing 60% of of the episodes, folks. So here it is. Here's one of those old school episodes. Please enjoy. The key to success is delayed gratification. The whole phrase about overnight success, that doesn't exist. That's something that's been made up. There are no overnight successes. As a suicide and abuse survivor, I spent 20 years hiding my experiences with mental illness from the people around me. Now, I travel the world, sharing my story and asking others how they cope with the constant chaos of everyday life. I'm Johnny Crowder, and you're listening to the Coke Notes Podcast. Hello, my friends. I am here with a jack of all trades when it comes to fitness. He's a personal trainer. He is the creator of Elemental Training Tampa. He is the host of Addicted to Fitness podcast. He has trained me before. I don't have enough positive things to say about this person, as you can tell. His name is Nick Birch. Nick, thank you for hanging out with us today. It's my pleasure. Happy to be here. So I've been on your podcast before, and that was sort of how we connected. And we had a crazy cool conversation about the connection between physical and mental and emotional health. And we are going to get into all of that stuff and really nerd out. But first, we got to start with some icebreakers. So, Nick, what is the greatest thing that's happened in your life in the past week? Uh, it's one of those kind of... Uh make lemon or lemonade out of lemons or lemons in a lemonade situation. Last week, I actually had eight clients out of town for, you know, either going to camps, sport camps. Uh, so I was very, um, my schedule is pretty wide open. So um, I actually had the ability or had the, you know, I guess ability is the right word to 
get four, you know, extensive workouts in, including a spinning session on the Peloton cycle that we have at the house. So that's something that's uh, four sessions in a row is rare for myself. Wait, so you don't really have time to work out all that much because you're too busy helping other people work out? Uh, typically, that is the situation because it's uh, it's hard to find time for myself to get those workouts in that I would, you know, I'm always working on flexibility, mobility, um, you know, obviously demonstrating exercises to clients is uh, work in itself, but mm-hmm. trying to get a dedicated workout just for me, basically have program for myself. It's, it, I don't always have that opportunity. Man, I would never consider that. Whenever I, I used to go to UFIT and I would always see these people training other people like the trainers there. And I would always wonder like, you know, I never see these people actually work out. They'll like sit down and I was in the gym every day and I would see those people there every day, but literally they would sit down and do like a rep or two to demonstrate with a really lightweight. And I'm like, how the heck are they so jacked? Like, <laughs> when do they come here and lift? Right. For I'm sure for, for some trainers, they might have it down their daily workout schedule, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little bit challenging for me from bouncing around from different locations and and different types of training styles. And then uh, I have a two-year-old daughter, yes. so getting her <laughs> from school or at school or to school, it's a, it's a challenge to find that opportunity to, to get my own workouts in. Have you ever tried working out with her, like using her as a weight and like doing shoulder presses oh, with yeah. her in one hand or something? Yes, we've definitely done that before. So definitely used her as like the bench press and she's a workout in herself. She's kind of <laughs> like, um, I hate to, I've never used it, but the shake weight, did you ever see the information oh yeah she is like a real life shake weight so if you try to hold on to her it requires a lot of stabilization muscles to make sure you <laughs> to her and she doesn't dive out of your arms because she likes to do that so that's awesome she's a, a workout in itself <laughs> oh man so icebreaker number two before we get into some real <laughs> workout stuff what's something that you nerd out about besides fitness that might surprise other people it's interesting i mean uh, i have my own podcast so i love podcasts too and um but i was thinking about this and i think as far as nerd out on it it's this category of music and you being a music musician yourself you might kind of uh be sickened by this but uh it's called Yacht Rock. Oh, it I know is. the exact. There's literally a <laughs> setting on Logic when I track guitar that, and I can yeah. check off Yacht Rock and it's like a preset. <laughs> it's like it's like easy listening, early 80s music, Christopher <laughs> Cross, Michael McDonald, uh, uh, Hall of Notes and stuff. And I don't know why. It's just, you know, one day a week, usually it's Friday. I always, that's what I'll play, whether I'm at, <laughs> at home with a client in the car, I always play it. I don't know why, if it's just like uh, kind of gets me in the mood for the weekend or something, but I love it and I am unapologetic about it. Oh, I wish you guys, you listeners, understood the setting. Like when I first met Nick in person, it was actually after I did his podcast. And you should see this monster. I'm at Title Boxing in Tampa and he is destroying a bag, leading people through one of the hardest workouts I've ever done in my life. I am beating the crap out of this punching bag. And then to hear that you listen to Yacht Rock to just relax, I'm like, yeah. maybe that's the secret to being like a total beast in the gym. Like best boxing tip is listen to Yacht Rock on Fridays. Yeah, I, I would. I 
I'm all for championing that uh, that type of uh, training instruction. <laughs> so, and I actually, that's a perfect segue because I wanted to talk about how a lot of people, including myself, would view boxing as this sort of like violent, anger-filled sport where people, they go to a boxing class and they're just like really laying into a bag and they're like picturing like, oh, this is my boss or this is, you know, whoever. And in my experience, actually taking a couple classes, I didn't feel angry at all. It was like a totally different experience. I thought that you had to be pretty angry to want to punch something, but truly it it felt like such a unique workout and I didn't feel angry at all. I felt like I was releasing energy, not spite or anything. So in your experience, does the assumption of boxing being a negative form of sport, does that really hold true in your eyes? No, definitely not. I mean, uh, I, I've had the pleasure of working with, you know, martial artists and, and boxers are included in that category. So, and all of them I've had the pleasure of meeting are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. They're some <laughs> of the most calmest people you'll ever meet. And I'm a firm believer and I've kind of experienced it myself is that, as you mentioned, you're getting out the stress when you physically hit something. But also, I think it kind of scratches that primitive itch we need for combat or conflict, kind of hand-to-hand combat. It gives you a release and uh, taps into kind of maybe the uh, the uh, the caveman or cavewoman brain that, <laughs> that still exists in our mind that really needs kind of that physical expression, whether it be through martial arts, kickboxing, or or taekwondo, or jujitsu. That type of hand-to-hand combat and physical release is something that just, it makes you realize that kind of the stress, sometimes the petty stress of everyday life is very inconsequential when it comes down to it. Man, I'm having so many flashbacks to Taekwondo when I was growing up. And I expected, you know, when you're a kid, first of all, it's all called karate when you're six. (laughs) Like there is no Kung Fu or Jiu Jitsu. It's all called karate in the six-year-old brain. And when I started taking Taekwondo classes, I was like, oh, now I'm going to learn how to beat everybody up. And I'm going to be this big, like, I'm going to be like Batman or Spider-Man or something. And then I take these classes and it's all about like control and form and restraint and respect and honor. And it was like totally contrasted what I expected to come from the class. And when I was even just taking a couple boxing classes, the vibe that I got wasn't like, yeah, show that bag what it has coming. Like really it had nothing to do with the bag. It was more about like knowing how to use your body correctly. And it, I really felt this sense of self-awareness that I feel when I'll like do yoga or I'll go running or something. And it's this like moment where you feel, oh, whatever you were stressed about outside of that disappears. And it's just like you with your body. You're so present. Absolutely. When I think the feedback you get from whether you hit a bag or you're uh, sparring, regardless of if it's, you know, wrestling. And when you're doing that kind of physical release where you have another tangible kind of subject or location or, you know, person in some cases to really get immediate feedback from, you really forget everything else that's going on in your life. You kind of have to, especially if you're working with a partner, you have to be (laughs) totally focused on what you're doing. You know, with a heavy bag, you can, you can kind of be distracted. That's why it's good to have a teacher or somebody who's an instructor who's kind of leading you through. So you can't get distracted. But when you're working with another person, you're always present there. And that's something that I I haven't been able to find. I mean, I, I practice meditation a lot. So one of the through lines of meditation is being present. You know, don't worry about the past. Don't look to the 
future. You got to just exist in the present. And I can tell you right now, there's no other exercise I've ever done in my life that you have to be more present for than martial arts and <laughs> the, the the boxing, sparring, kickboxing, jujitsu. You have to be present or you're going to get beat. Right. Either the bag, you're going to beat yourself or the other person's going to beat you. Yeah. Even in moments when I was actually, by the way, listeners, I was not boxing another person because I don't think I ever could, but I was just, it was just me in a heavy bag. And in any moment where I was sort of mentally checking out or thinking about something else, my punches wouldn't land really well, or I would realize that, you know, something didn't feel right, or I would kind of hurt my pinky a little bit because the way I did an uppercut. So I think you're right. The key factor in actually connecting with the bag had a lot to do with that like mind muscle connection, like focusing on the task at hand and not worrying about a meeting that I have later or traffic. It's like, hey, dude, the moment your brain starts slipping, your form is going to start slipping too. Right. That's, it's very true. And, um, I've had the pleasure of, uh, you know, sparring with other individuals. And I always say that it's not a violent sport, even though what they're doing kind of a display of violence, but it's Mm -hmm. one of the most controlled type of sports there is. You know, I I consider football much more violent than boxing or MMA Mm. because everything is done, you know, with a level of control or, and also a level of, as you said, reverence and respect. Yeah. There are some fighters out there that, you know, are a little bit, uh, hotheads. <laughs> the famous ones. That's how yes. they get famous. But. Exactly. Sadly. Yes. But of course, a lot of their, uh, escapades are usually outside of the ring, you know, Correct. during, in the ring, they're technicians They're they're great for a reason, you know, kind of one of the most famous ones, Conor McGregor, who hasn't fought in a long time, but he's excellent in the ring. He's very, he is elite striker, elite uh, martial artist, but outside the ring, you know, throwing, <laughs> he, throwing dollies through bus windows and stuff like that. He's uh, a mess. <laughs> and that's why he's kind of notorious. So that's yeah. fortunately what he is in the ring is not what he is outside the ring. I think that's what gives martial arts kind of a negative appearance and it's, it's sort of does a disservice to the amount of honor and tact that goes into practicing martial arts, because when a majority of the world hears about UFC, they only hear about people talking trash or vandalizing stuff. They don't actually hear about how intense training is and, and the fighters who really do respect each other, because unfortunately that doesn't make for good TV, I guess. You're right. And I think um, I think it was a few years ago, I, be, I believe it was Meryl Streep talked about, you know, she kind of gave a little diss to the UFC or to MMA um, during an acceptance speech. She basically said that martial arts or UFC wasn't arts. It's not the arts, you know, and I wholeheartedly disagree because as you're mentioning, the vast majority of martial artists are people that are in the gyms who are practicing, who are, it's all about respect. It's all about kind of, the mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. uh, only a very small percentage of <laughs> those martial artists are on TV or being kind of publicized, you know? So I think the vast majority of martial artists are martial artists They are artists, excuse me. People get the wrong, I think, idea about martial artists being angry guys who do crazy things because a small percentage of people that get more publicized than the people that are quiet, (laughs) you know, samurai about their practice. Dude, this is so challenging for me because I'm like so anti-violence and it's like cracking my whole foundation. And so, for example, my guitarist watches UFC like any time I see him looking at his phone, I know he's watching UFC. He's listening to some 
someone dissect a fight and talking mm-hmm. about he knows all these stats and stuff. He's like, it's his favorite thing outside of music. And I'm always like, oh, I can't even stomach to look at that stuff. But I think it's because of exactly what you're saying. The moments that I have seen are where it's like all bloody and terrible and, you know, it's on the news and someone gets their lung punctured or whatever. And I like that's my perception. But then when I look at the flip side, I think of metal and how people see or hear me scream on stage and think like, oh, he must be such an evil person and must be so furious. And it's like, man, I haven't been mad since 2014. Like, I'm so calm. And I think the common connection is, number one, people kind of hear the loudest voice, even if it's not the most common voice. So if there's a metal vocalist that burns down a church, everyone in the general population hears about that and not about the metal vocalist who's volunteering at an orphanage or whatever. And it's the same with UFC and all martial arts. They think of you know, the fighter that gets arrested for domestic abuse, but they don't think of the 150,000 other fighters who didn't, who are really have respect for the craft. Right. And I mean, I think that's kind of with all uh, media, sadly, especially nowadays, is that the the story is, you know, it's a more popular story to, to publicize the bad guy than the good guy. You know, people get more views or more clicks when the kind of uh, nefarious person or various activities opposed to, uh, you know, charitable acts or giving back. So it's, it's sad that those people get the publicization, but I think people like you and I know, especially you being from the, the music that you play and then myself being from martial arts or combat sports, it's not the case. We know the, the real truth. And I think, I think a lot of people know the real truth. They just, unfortunately, the media hasn't portrayed the opposite way. Yeah. And this whole conversation has me thinking of how it's not necessarily that you shouldn't feel that stress or anger, whatever it is that people have built up. It's just the differences, the fighters that you're talking about who are very calm and respectful. And I know a lot of metal vocalists who are the same way. They're very calm, quiet, lots of introverts, believe it or not. And I think the reason that we can be calm and steady in our normal lives is because we have somewhere to put that energy. You know, if we build it up during the week and then we go to the gym or in my case, like I would challenge anyone, scream as loud as you can, top of your lungs, for a minute in your car. Whatever you want. You don't even have to say words. Just yell, ah, as loud as you can and tell me that after a minute of doing that, you don't feel calm and serene. Like, I think people just need somewhere to put that energy. It's not that you shouldn't ever experience that stress or pressure. It's that you need a repository for it. Yes, absolutely. That's that's a great way to describe it is that we have frustration or we have stress that causes us to be frustrated throughout our daily lives. And at the end of the day, do we release it or do we just basically does it carry over to the next day? And then it basically grows exponentially over time. And then things like sadly, mental health issues or physical, definitely physical health issues start to arise. And then we always wonder (laughs) why, why can't we get better? But it's, as you said, we, we don't have any way to get rid of that type of stress or frustration mm. or more, more people don't get rid of it on a daily basis, like doing things like you talked about or martial arts or even exercise in general. They, they think they don't have time for it. There are a lot of excuses out there, unfortunately. Right. And when I was on your podcast, we had this huge, super fascinating conversation about how there have been countless studies done on the connection between physical health and then your mental and emotional health. And I shared a little bit about how important exercise has been for me with um, working 
through a lot of my mental health issues. And I was wondering for you, do you feel in your personal experience that exercise has made a big impact on the way that you feel on a daily basis? And then also, have you seen it impact how your clients feel? Absolutely. I mean, it's obviously the science or the research is starting to back it up now, but it's no no doubt in my mind that it is a stress reliever. And I kind of compare it to, you know, taking a test. You know, you basically, you're, you're able to test yourself on a daily basis. And if you complete your workout, you've basically passed the test. So even if, you know, some workouts are better than others, but if you basically took the time to sit down and take the test, whatever, how long it be, 15, 20, 30, 60 minutes, um, if you pass the test, you pass the test and that is rewarding in itself. And having those type of daily tests or by daily tests, I think that's how you can keep reaffirming the idea that not to think that, um, who was the guy on Saturday Night Live? Al Franken played him, Stuart Smalley. Was that his name? Oh, I can't remember. He, he was like a motivational speaker. He talked about being good enough and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> but like, if you can basically find the time to work out and basically complete your workout on a daily basis or you know two to three times a week, I think that tells yourself that you are good enough and that you pass the test and that you are taking the time you need to make your health both physical and mental, a priority. And that's kind of rewarding in itself. I know like running six minute miles or bench pressing 300, those are great goals too. And those are possible, but just for the majority of us, we need people to just be motivated enough to work out on a daily or three to four times a week, because it seems that a lot of people are lacking that. It's just that basic type of physical activity. Dude, I love the test analogy so much because this morning, literally this morning, like an hour ago, I was doing some prepping for this call. And also I was curious, so I probably would have listen to this anyway, even if I didn't have this call coming up. But I was listening to a TED Medical Talk. Mm -hmm. they, I think it's called TED Med or something. And they were talking about how a lot of people, like you said, don't feel that motivation. And it has a lot more to do with mentally not feeling equipped or able to exercise than it is about physical inability. And this guy recommended, it's so funny that you use the test analogy because he like held up this sticker sheet of gold stars. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I know this sounds crazy, but I encourage you, if you are the type of person who does not work out, you need some sort of positive reinforcement. You need that feeling of having earned something because like you said, that sense of accomplishment mentally and emotionally can propel you to work out again tomorrow. So he was saying that he's done like these corporate wellness events and stuff. And he said, like, I have top level executives at Fortune 500 companies doing jumping jacks to earn their gold star. <laughs> He's like, you. we underestimate how much we need that validation. Even if we give it to ourselves, we peel off a gold star and we put it on a little sheet for ourselves. We're like, wow, look, I've done a physical activity the last nine days. Like you said, you feel like you're worth it. You're good enough. You're sticking to the plan, you know? Right. Absolutely. And I I've seen clients who like you said, have just transformed their body, but in more importantly, transformed their way of thinking that workout is not a chore, that their workouts are now essentially a requirement. They're just like brushing their teeth in the morning, that they have to get their workout in. And if they miss periods of time where they don't work out, they feel bad. And it definitely affects their mental and physical health. And they're, they're always telling me, oh, I can't wait to get back in, can't wait to get back in. So I definitely see how it can change people's perspective on going from a day 
daily chore to a, a highlight of their day. Yeah. Dude, so I go to Planet Fitness because on tour, we can go to any Planet Fitness in the country. Mm-hmm. That's where we get our showers in on the road. And I took my sister as a guest to Planet Fitness yesterday and we worked out for like an hour and a half and we get in the car and the first thing she says is, working out sucks. And then it was just like quiet in the car for a couple seconds and then she goes but it's awesome. And I'm like, yes, exactly that. Because there are days when I get in the gym and I think, wow, why did I even come here? Like, I don't feel like I have the energy. I'm tired. I have meetings that I need to be prepping for. And instead I'm at the gym. And then within five minutes of me starting to use my body, I'm like, oh yeah, this feeling is one that I can't get anywhere else. Yeah. That, and it's true. Like you said, you can't get it anywhere else. Uh, nowadays, when now in modern times, we don't do things like, you know, climb mount- Well, most of us don't do <laughs> things like climb mountains or hunt for food or gather firewood. Uh, we don't do those physical activities that allow us to get that type of energy out on a daily basis. Like you talked about whether screaming in your car or hitting a bag, those are methods for help us get out the energy. But a lot of the stuff we used to do, hundred years ago is we don't do anymore. So I think that's a direct link to why a lot of the mental health issues and physical health issues for that matter are, are on the rise because we have no outlets to get rid of that energy or fewer outlets, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. In that guy's talk that I watched, he was saying it pretty much exactly what you said a hundred years ago or 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, you had to be pretty active. You know, he said something along the lines of back in the day, going to use the restroom was an exercise because you mm-hmm. had to like go find somewhere to poop and bury it. And it's like yep. physical activity. But now you like waddle over to a toilet that's a couple feet from your desk. And he was saying, essentially, we're supposed to use our bodies. We have bodies and it's sort of it's not as strict as, you know, use it or lose it. But in a sense, it kind of is that way. Like another thing that blew my mind, he said physical exercise has been proven to be more effective in preventative health than like all of these medicines that we've created. Right. That's wild. Hey, it's Johnny. Real quick, I just wanted to check in with anyone who might not know what Cope Notes is or does. Essentially, we send text messages that help people build healthier habits over time. Combining peer support, positive psychology, and digital journaling, these simple text messages can make a big difference in your mood, your thought patterns, and even your personality as a whole. Plus, you never know when we'll reach out or what we'll say, so it should keep you on your toes. If you'd like to try Cope Notes for free, you can text COPE to 33222 or visit copenotes.com trial. We've already helped more than 10,000 people in over 75 countries across the globe start living a happier, healthier life. And to be honest, we'd love to do the same for you. Anyway, let's get back to the show. So all of this talking has really got me thinking about how you relate to your clients. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering when you're coaching or teaching somebody, whether it's mobility, whether it's martial arts or um, weightlifting, whatever it is that you're helping them with, how much do you as Nick invest in their individual progress? Do you get frustrated or discouraged when there are setbacks or do you celebrate their victories like they're your own? How much do you emotionally invest in those people's stories? Uh, I think... (laughs) I mean, put it on a, if I had to put it on a number on it, it would definitely be a hundred percent. You know, it's, it's hard to not be 
invested because people are basically seeking me out to change their lives in a positive manner, whether it be physically or, I mean, there's a lot of people mentally that are doing it. You know, a lot of my adult clients, obviously they're doing it for both physical and mental health. And I have a lot of young clients who are more sports specific. So they have specific sport goals. I have one client right now who uh, is trying to get a D1 scholarship for rowing. Mm. And I have other ones that are uh, junior golfers that are, you know, trying to, you know, go as far as they can as golfer, which is important to them. But it's hard not to get invested in those people when they, they seek me out and they, they basically give me the the responsibility of improving their fitness, whatever whatever their goals are. Uh, so when they when they succeed, I feel very good. And I am like a proud parent kind of (laughs) feeling. And when they don't, it's definitely, you know, I internalize and say, what do I have to do to make sure that they don't fail the next time? So it's an emotional roller coaster for sure. Thankfully, there's a lot more ups and downs, um, Mm. you know, but even when clients, uh, they have personal things that happen in their lives and they have to miss the gym. I kind of view that as a setback just because, um, as we've already talked about, the gym is not only is it a place for them to be physically fit, but it's a whole effect of their mental fitness. So when there's something that happens in their lives where it can definitely affect them mentally, I'm always, you know, kind of worried when I don't see them at the gym. You know? Right. I definitely take that personally and not that I'm mad at them. I'm just, I'm more worried about them. So it's the whole parent aspect. <laughs> now that I, now that I am a parent, I can see it even more now. So. <laughs> It's so interesting to hear the trainer's perspective because I think a lot of people have this image of personal training as like this, and I'm sure it's probably because it's been in a bunch of movies and sitcoms and stuff, but like someone goes to see a personal trainer and the personal trainer is like a drill sergeant. They're like, get down and give me 20 pushups. And they're like screaming and spitting and like losing their temper. And the person in those situations who's reaching out to a trainer, you reach out to a trainer because you want guidance and encouragement and you want to make sure that you are engaging with exercise and developing a healthy relationship with your body and physical fitness. And it's comforting for me to hear that, you know, not all trainers are that crazy because I've never actually used a personal trainer ever. I've been exercising regularly since I was like 11 years old and it's always been a part of my life. And whenever I would see a trainer, a lot of times it was that big buff, like brawny trainer that's like barking at people that they're not doing stuff right just because maybe they're got a trainer because they want your help. Like they didn't come because they knew everything. And it's cool to see that when you are interacting with your clients, there's a level of compassion and understanding there. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we could go all the way to how this whole thing started with me is that, you know, I graduated college, my undergrad, and I just fell off the wagon. I was drinking and doing other uh, Uh, kind of unhealthy vices and put on a ton of weight and just hit that time where I was either make a change or probably live like this the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, And I just walked into a kickboxing gym and it all turned around. And that's literally how um, I got addicted to fitness and got basically the idea and the really kind of the core foundations of elemental training Tampa really started right then when I knew that you could change your quality of life. You could prove your quality of life by improving your fitness. 
And that's how I base everything. That's how I kind of treat every client I have and every approach to every client is with that mindset. Dude, you know what I love about, I'm smiling so big. If you're listening, you can't see it, but you know what I love about fitness? Cause I'm, I'm really big on self-help, really big on wellness and like, you know, personal development, but fitness is unique in that it is much more difficult to assign your progress and successes to somebody else. So like, say you take a vitamin and then you start losing your temper less often, you think, well, it's because of the vitamin. And you sort of pass off, you reject taking credit for your own successes. But with fitness, like even if you go see a trainer, that trainer isn't moving your arms and legs and making you like fitness is so unique because every ounce of progress that you make, whether you can run for another 30 seconds longer than you could, or you can lift another five pounds than you could, that is not because of a trainer. It's not because of a vitamin. It's not because of any external. It's not because of a song you're listening to. It's because you are doing it. And I want people to own that victory because that's what's rewarding when you can stop assigning your victories to other people and finally take credit and know that you're capable of making that difference. Absolutely. You know, when I have clients will text me and and thank me for, you know, whether they lose weight or I have one client that always texts me is like, I I could never touch my toes till I started working (laughs) with you. Now I can. And I was like, just as you said, it's like, I didn't do that, you know? I made a showed you the steps so you could get there, but you got there on your own. I just gave you some encouragement and, you know, counted the 10 and told you not to hold your breath uh, a lot of the time. You (laughs) you did all the hard work. I just provided some of the, basically the directions and the framework. This is making fitness feel so much more attainable. And I hope it is for, for listeners. It doesn't have to be this giant monolith where you have no idea how to grab it or get started because all of this stuff is making it sound like everyday people are making these incremental changes in their lives that over time are making a huge difference in their health. And as I've discussed with you, that's the whole approach of Cope Notes as well. It's not like do 100 pushups and you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like do 20 pushups every day for a year Mm -hmm. and see if there's any change. And that incremental change, I think people expect themselves to make progress immediately. But the truth with physical or mental or emotional health is that it takes time and that's how you know it's going to last. Yeah, I I always, you know, I've heard people talk about it and I believe it 100% that the key to success is delayed gratification. Whoa. The whole phrase about overnight success, that doesn't exist. That's a, something that's been made up. There are no overnight successes. They talk about it with musicians or movie stars. They're like, oh, this guy's an overnight success. No, you didn't see the 10 or 15 years beforehand of them working in small clubs or doing plays on off-Broadway or if to relate to the acting and musicians. But the success does not happen like in a snap of your fingers. You have to keep pushing and you have to take those small victories and realize they will eventually get you to where you want to be. Dude, I am so fired up right now. I want to go on a (laughs) run or something. What do you have to say to any of our listeners who are thinking to themselves, I don't have time to work out or I don't have the energy to work out or I'm not motivated enough to work out. They don't think that they can, which I, from firsthand experience, understand that I would 
throw out excuses when I didn't believe I could do something. So I would say I don't have time, but the truth was, I don't think I'm strong enough or I don't think I'm, you know, so what do you have to say to those listeners? Uh, What I have to say is that you have to prioritize. You have to convince yourself that your health is the top priority because a lot of people use the excuse of not enough time. And like you said, it's definitely that excuse is essentially telling them that they don't think they can do it, right? Not Mm -hmm. that there's not enough time because there's never going to be enough time. You know, it's not 10 years from now, you're not going to have 36 hour days opposed to There's right. never time in essence, but there actually is always enough time. You just have to make the time. You mm-hmm. have to prioritize. You have to stop watching Netflix for two hours at the end of the night. You have to stop, you know, watching football for eight hours on Sunday or things like that. <laughs> You have to convince yourself that your health is priority. And there's two things, and these these are kind of kind of maybe like I just thought about these. And the first one is obviously you can get a coach. You can get someone um, like yourself or Cope Notes or uh, someone like me who can just say, "Hey, you definitely can do it." You know, uh, I can show you how to do it. It's not as scary as you think. So Mm -hmm. you can get a coach, whether it be a PT, you know, a personal trainer or a health coach or life coach. Um, That's an option. But another option, I think, which is always good motivation, it's always worked for me or it's worked for people I know is go get a physical. If you go get a physical at your doctor and you haven't been in a long time, if you are, say, you know, you haven't been neglecting your health. Your doctor will tell you hard facts. You typically, there are some outliers that, hey, your blood pressure is a little bit too high. Mm-hmm. Hey, your cholesterol is too high, which is a whole nother conversation, but it's maybe your BMI is higher than it should be or something about, you know, your your hips hurting is because, you know, you poor hip mobility. You might not mm-hmm. get that at physical, but uh, acid reflux, you know, your, your nutrition is bad. Usually you'll get a lot of insight from a medical professional telling you why your health is a priority. Getting those type of tangible numbers or stats in front of you usually is a good motivator for people to think, okay, now I need to start taking this seriously. Yeah. Oh man, I am having another flashback to when I gained a fair amount of weight in college. Um, I went to UCF and not a lot of my friends went there. And so as a result, I spent a ton of time by myself and I would go to the meal hall by myself and it's all buffet. So Mm -hmm. you can go up and get as many things as you want. And my freshman 15 was like 30. It was a freshman 30. And I wasn't really noticing it. And I remember my brother saying like, I saw him and this definitely wasn't the way he should have said it. I might've talked about this on the podcast before, but he said something along the lines of, whoa, you got fat. And I was like, whoa, you're savage. And then I thought (laughs) he's wrong. So that didn't do anything for me. Like when that happened, I wasn't like, well, now I'm going to take my life back into my hands. But what did happen is I went home and I weighed myself and I was 208 pounds. And I said, oh, that's way more than I expected I would weigh. And there's, there, you're right, there is something about a concrete number that you can't argue with. I can argue with my brother, you know, because that's intangible. But when you see like a cold, hard stat in front of you, you're like, oh, no, I don't have a defense for this. Yeah. And that's what really started getting me back in the gym was just, you know, and keep in mind, the scale doesn't judge you. The statistics don't judge you. They're just numbers. They're objective. So I think instead of hearing something judgmental from someone, I just needed something objective and to look at it and say, you know what? The scale isn't saying 208 because it doesn't like me. It's just telling me how much I weigh. And that that was actionable to me. Yeah, that's true. And those, those are uh, the type of motivators that I think, like you said, don't put people in type of 
because shame is not a good motivator. You know, you, you shouldn't be ashamed that you overweight. Things like the objective, whether it be the scale, whether it be a doctor, whether it be somebody close to you passing away or something like that due to a health-related indi- mm-hmm. condition. Those are things that should really motivate you and inspire you because shame is not inspiring. You know, uh, things that are like that you can change, you know, you can change that number, you can change your blood panel when you go to the doctor the next time. Those are the things that should inspire you to want to (laughs) change. Yeah. Oh, man. It's time for our final question. And I'm interested to hear your answer. Can you take me and our listeners back to the most difficult year of your life? And we don't need all the details, but just kind of set the stage of what made that year so challenging and then what eventually pulled you out of it. Well, I mean, it's, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier about the year I graduated from college mm-hmm. uh, from my undergrad and put on all the weight and was, you know, had a lot of health unhealthy habits. Um, and so going to kickboxing really changed that, but I want to try to change it up a little bit. It was basically the year I went full-time into personal training. Uh, that was 2017. Basically I decided to go into personal training in March of 2017. And it was actually, I gave my 30 day notice at my, you know, my 40 hour a week job paycheck every two weeks, health mm-hmm. insurance, life insurance, uh, all that stuff. And, uh, I gave my 30 days notice the day after we went to the doctors and found out Shannon was nine weeks pregnant. Whoa, so, that's crazy. So, so you find out that there's going to be this huge additional life change and mm-hmm. you're like, well, I'll just double down. Yeah. Do another one. <laughs> so yeah, so I put 30 days notice into my other job. So and went into being a full-time personal trainer with uh, maybe a handful of clients, uh, you know, at a facility where I had no clients. So I had to build up my mm. own client base. And obviously that was a great year. It's one of the best years, but it was definitely a difficult year because, you know, the whole time while Shannon's pregnant, I'm trying to, you know, just build up clients and things like that and get my name, market myself. In the meantime, you know, I got a pregnant wife and uh, we have a mortgage and we have, you know, a grocery and doctor bills and all that stuff. Luckily, you know, she had really good insurance. So that wasn't an issue. But then, you know, in September of that year, we had Ella. So it was like, now... I own my own business. I have a newborn and, you know, it's all this stuff, but it was kind of all that made it a difficult year, but also the best year because I was doing what I wanted to do. Um, I was in now in the, my career was my passion. And now I was going to develop the skills and develop the knowledge to know how I can make my personal life and my business life coexist. Mm. And even though that's, I'm still learning how to do that, but I'm definitely a better place than I am now than I was, you know, over two, almost two years ago. Right. As even though that was a difficult time, the fact that I had, you know, Shannon, a partner basically who <laughs> supported me the whole time, even though it was tough, you know, to, to support me when we, uh, when, you know, we were essentially a one, uh, one income family for a while. The fact that we're to we are now where I was able to find that type of uh, notion of delayed gratification. Um, and now it's becoming a success. You know, it's, it's slowly succeeding every month as a new success. The fact that I was able to do all that and get to the point where I am now is just like, I look fondly back on that difficult time. Wow. I'm feeling fired up and inspired. I needed a reminder of the delayed gratification aspect because the things that can instantly gratify you usually stop gratifying you just as quickly as they started. But if something 
is delayed and you work real hard at it, I think that's the kind of progress that, like we talked about, that's the kind of progress that will last. So thank you for those reminders, Nick. And thanks for your honesty. Real quick before we hop off, can you just let people know where they can find out more about you and what you do? If you have a website or an email, social media you want to throw out? I do. I have a lot of different type of ways you can get a hold of me. I'd probably (laughs) say the most up-to-date information for us uh, would obviously be the Addicted to Fitness podcast that comes out on a weekly basis. You know, my wife and I do a weekly health and fitness podcast. We talk all at a whole wide range of topics. So I would definitely go to your app store and uh, subscribe and check that episode. You know, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, We have the Addicted to Fitness podcast Facebook page, Elemental Training Tampa Facebook. Also, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at E-T-Tampa, E-T-T-A-M-P-A. Send me a DM. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. You know, I have emails and all that stuff on the website and uh, on the uh, Facebook page. But I would say just follow me on Instagram, send me a DM and we'll talk. So awesome. Nick, thanks for hanging out with us. And I hope that you kick my butt again pretty (laughs) soon before I leave for tour. For all things Addicted to Fitness, you can check out our website, addictedtofitnesspodcast.com. You can also give us a follow on Twitter at the ATF podcast and like and follow the Addicted to Fitness podcast Facebook page. Last but not least, please give us a rating and review in the iTunes store. Thanks.